Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. All right, week two of our Margaritaville Sermon Series, Making Space, Finding Space for True Rest. And I want to start by telling you about my sister. My sister Laura, that's what we call her. I don't know why. But that's what we call her, Laura, and uh, she and I are very close in age. We're only about 15 months apart, and that's about as close as we were growing up, was our age, right? I want to characterize our relationship as close, other than that age, right? We were pretty different. Obviously, I'm a guy, and she's a girl, so that was one of the main differences, but there was way more, right? I would get home by 7 o'clock because sleep, right? I like to go to bed. I like to go to bed early. I still go to bed early. Uh, And so she wouldn't get home until usually way after curfew. And if she was home by curfew, she on most nights was sneaking out most days of the week. All right. So we had that indifferent, right? And she's watching today. So she's probably going to yell at me later. I played varsity sports all through high school and she did not. She actually almost failed high school because uh, in our school, uh, you had to pass a swimming test in order to graduate. And she would not get into the pool, right? She didn't want to mess up her hair. She didn't want to have to redo her makeup. And so she said, fine, if I fail, I fail, right? I'm not going to graduate until my dad literally came to high school and just threw her into the pool, right? We were different, right? The thing about our relationship Although we were, we were different and we didn't get along, we were always fighting. The thing that we always did for each other was the fact that we had each other's back. And we still do. We still have each other's back. You see, more than once, uh, while we were fighting or in the middle of some kind of week-long argument, she would call me and she would say, Hey, Andrew, I'm stranded and I have no gas in my car, can you come and help? Now, usually she was stranded somewhere where she shouldn't have been, and it was way past curfew, and so I went and helped, right? And the thing is, if you're stranded where we grew up, in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, in the middle of nowhere, it could be kind of a dangerous thing, especially in the middle of winter, right? Her car could be mistaken as a snowdrift, and the plow could come through and and throw her into the woods, or she could be uh, buried by snow, or she could die, right? It's cold up there. And so I would come, and I would help her. But needless to say, right, even if I was, was angry, even if I was mad that I had to get out and go and help her, I would go and grab my gas can, I would fill it up with gas, and I would go, and I would put gas into her car. And here's what she would say to me every single time. She said, I don't know what happened. Right? I put $2 of gas in like a week and a half ago. I don't know where it would go. Right? And here's the thing. Right? Granted, $2 worth of gas uh, you know, a while ago was a lot more than it is today, but it's not enough for a week and a half. But she would always say, I don't know what happened. Right? I, put, I put $2 in, and, and now I have no gas. And so I would give her the gas in my gas can, usually more than $2 worth, and she would be on her merry way. Right, this happened now, and this is a rough estimate, like a million times <laughs> while we were in high school. Right? She did not learn her lesson for a very long time. And my wife, wife Christina, she's the same way too. Right? Not necessarily about gas, 
But, but if you ask her when our oil changes do, she'll give you this funny look. Like, what are you speaking about? Are you using a different language? Right? That's how she'll look at you. Right? For, the, for the women, at least in my life, car care is not really high on the priority list. Right? And let's just run with this thought here for a moment. Right? If you have a car, right, when was the last time you changed the oil? Think about it, right? And maybe you're not the person in your family who takes care of the cars. Maybe that's not you, right? And maybe on the other side of that, you are the person who changed the, changes the oil yourself. You don't take it anywhere. You just do it yourself. Or, or maybe you don't drive, and so you don't even have to worry about it yet. But I think that most of us, right, no matter where we are in that situation, can understand the concept of an oil change. Right? It's when you replace the old oil in your car, in your vehicle, with new oil. Right? You take the old oil out of the engine, you put new oil into the engine. That's the concept, and we're familiar with it. It is one of the, uh, the responsibilities that come with having a vehicle of any sort, right? having a car of any sort. But here is the thing. Right? We all know if you take your car... If you take your, your vehicle to a mechanic for an oil change, there is a good chance that you're going to hear this, right? So I noticed that, right? You take your car somewhere, you're going to hear this. So I noticed that. And we can finish that sentence with a lot of things, right? I noticed that the tread on your tires is low. It's, it's probably time to get some new ones, these really pricey ones here, Right? It's time to replace them. Or I noticed that the air filter needs to be changed. Or I noticed that the, the mileage of your car is high. It may be time to upgrade to a synthetic oil change. Right? Listen, listen, right? From brake repair to, to windshield wiper replacement, you have probably heard every potential issue that your vehicle may have. And if you know a lot about cars... Right? If you're a, a mechanical type person, you know how to navigate these situations with relative ease. But for the rest of us, right, some of these oil change interruptions, they really throw us off. Right? I'm just being honest. They, they really throw us off. I mean, we get it, right? Our, our trusted mechanic they just want us to have the best car that we can have, right? They, they want us to, uh, or they want to help us take care of our car to, to do better with the maintenance of our car. But the problem is, it's not any of that. The problem is, is that when these questions pop up in our mind, right? When, when they say, I've noticed that, and we have questions that pop up in our mind, right? Questions like, how much is this going to cost now, Right? Or, or how long will this take? Do I really need it? Right? Does, is, this, is this something that this vehicle really has to have right now, right here? Right? At that point, right, when those questions pop into our mind, at that point, uh, the quick and easy oil change that we were hoping for, which already costs us money and time, at this point, it has the potential to cost us even more, right? It has the potential to cost us even more. And so we have to decide, am I going to do this? Is this something that I need to add to my already busy schedule in order to improve the life of my car? Is this something that I have to do? Or am I just going to, to take care of the minimum, uh, move on, and hope for the best? Right? Hope that I'm not going to, to break down in the middle of 95. Right? Car care is a great metaphor for what we're going to talk about today. 
It really is, right? Because today we're talking about, of all things, self-care. Right? When I say self-care, most of you guys will get a picture of your wife looking like this in your mind. Right? <laughs> right? That, that's me at least. Right? When, I, when I think self-care, this is, I automatically think this. Right? Sorry, Christina. Right? right? No, this is Mrs. Doubtfire. We know that. Right? But you get my drift. Right? Self-care is not something that is usually really high on our priority list because we think of it like face masks and spa treatments and cucumbers for some reason on our eyes, right? Strange things like that, right? But, but here is the truth, right? Self-care is basically just taking steps to take care of yourself. <laughs> Pretty simple definition, right? right? Self-care is just taking steps to take care of yourself, Right? Self-care can best be described as halftime during the NFL football game. Or if you're a basketball type person, it's, it's halftime during the NBA game. Or, or if you're an NHL type guy, it's, it's the, the, in between the periods, right? It's a pit stop during the NASCAR races, right? When I, I played football, uh, there could be a number of things happening during halftime. Right? Somebody could be using the bathroom. Someone could be changing out their jersey. Or depending on who we were playing, they could be changing their underwear, right? right? There could be a number of things happening at halftime. Someone could be in the training room getting retaped. They could be getting an Advil or they could be getting something a little bit stronger in their arm, right? Someone could be looking in the mirror trying to make sure they look good for when they score a touchdown in all the pitchers. And that usually was like a third string wide receiver who never sees the field, Right? Someone could be in the corner praying. Someone could be in another room with their coaches talking about the game plan, right? Whatever they were doing, whatever specifically they were doing, right, all of it was basically just taking steps to take care of themselves, right? They were practicing self-care or a form of self-care, right? And they were doing what they needed to do during this time of rest, right? You see, that is what self-care really is. Right? It is pausing, right? taking a moment, right? taking care of what you need to do, and not just so you can feel better, but so you can get back into the game, right? so you can keep fighting the fight. So whether it's, it's spiritual, right? whether it's, it's uh, mental, physical, or even emotional, take a look, right? Take a look. Self-care is in being intentional with keeping yourself whole and healthy and for something greater than yourself. All right? Self-care is being intentional with keeping yourself whole and healthy for something that is greater than yourself. Man, right, Foundry Church? Right? We have all been given a mission by God. Each and every one of us has a purpose, Right? We've been given the mission to go and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as it says in Matthew, teaching them to obey all of his commands, right? And we, did, we define that here at the Foundry as by guiding people to forge a lifelong reliance on God, right? That's how we here fulfill the Great Commission, right? We've been given a purpose. That's our purpose. That's our mission if we call Jesus our Lord. And self-care... What we're talking about today is a form of what we would call stewardship of that mission, right? Taking good care of something that God has given 
us, right? So that we can achieve that mission. So we can step into his will, into the purposes he has for us as, as fathers and husbands and mothers and wives. And, and step into the purpose he has us for us as children and students and, and friends and, and, and mentors and coaches in the community. Anything where we are, right? Like we, like we say around here, we're all a leader. So we all better be a leader worth following. And that's what it's about, right? The tension, though. The tension that we need to deal with this morning, the tension that we kind of need to peel like an onion this morning is this. Take a look. Just like our minds immediately resist when a mechanic talks car care, our minds immediately resist the idea of self-care. It just does. All right, think about it, right? And you might be thinking, well, no, I could use some self-care right now. But listen, right, maybe, maybe you can relate to one or more of these objections, right? Maybe you're thinking, hey, in, in the context of church, isn't self-care kind of selfish, right? right? Maybe you're thinking uh, the very word seems to be like kind of puts us front and center or at a, a tension, right? We think, doesn't God call us to deny ourselves? We, we read that somewhere, right? Or maybe you're thinking, didn't Jesus say that whoever wants to find life, right, have life must first lose it? Or maybe you're thinking, isn't our job to love others, not ourselves, right? You might be saying, didn't the Apostle Paul say, uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, he said, in humility, value others above yourselves in his letter to the Philippians. And so you're thinking, self-care, it sounds kind of like, like vain conceit, Right? So you're a little confused. Or if you're like me, you might be automatically starting to think about, all right, what, is, what are we about to be asked to do, right? right? Am I about to hear how I need to exercise more or eat better, go for a long walk or, or attend some sort of weird retreat, right? We've all seen those videos, right, of people putting on face masks and cucumbers over their eyes, right? That's not really my jam, Right? Right, so that's what I immediately start to ask, because that's not my jam. Jam is my jam, right? Or you're thinking, Andrew, right? Andrew, who has time for this, right? Last week, we talked about making space for dependence on God instead of just dependence on work, right? Making space for true rest. And after one week to practice that, Andrew, you already have more things for me to do, right? And you're thinking, give me a break, come on, right? Right, this, this series on Margaritaville, this Margaritaville type of rest is starting to sound a lot like work, right? And so you're thinking, Andrew, don't you understand? Don't you understand what I'm going through right now? I have so much stress, so much concern, so much worry, so much to do. I'm just trying to survive and make it through one day, right? I'm just trying to make it one more day on this planet, how could I possibly have time to think about taking care of myself? And that's what we're thinking, right? And listen, Foundry, right? all of those are valid points. But I promise you, right? I promise you this is not about adding more pressure to your life. That's not what it's about. It's about reducing pressure in your life, right? Let me, let me show you what I mean. Turn in your Bibles to the book of John. Right? It's in the New Testament. It's the fourth gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right? Turn to John chapter 10. Now, look, there's Bibles in the seats that are in front of you. 
or uh, the seats that, are, that you're sitting on. They're easier to grab from the seats that are in front of you. Those Bibles are for you to take. They are free. You can use them. You can give them away. They're f- for you to, to give, to use, to share with people who might want one. Uh, use it as an invite to church. But turn right now to John chapter 10, or you can even go to the Foundry Burke app. Um, go there at your favorite app store. Hit the Bible tab on there, and John 10 is already pulled up. All right, listen, as you're turning there, as you're getting there, let me lay down some context. All right, the book of John, this gospel, chronicles, or this chapter that we're going to look at, chronicles a moment when Jesus healed a blind man. All right, and he did this miracle. He did this miracle on the Sabbath. Right, the Sabbath, kind of what we talked about last week, right, which was a mandated day of rest for the Jewish people. And because Jesus healed someone on that day, the religious leaders, the Pharisees in particular, decided that healing someone was work. Right? And that was a huge no-no to these guys. And so therefore, it was a violation of the rules. Right? It, it threw them for a loop, right? and they freaked out. And so they confronted Jesus about this miracle, about healing this man, right? Providing sight to this man uh, on the Sabbath. And as Jesus often did, he responded to his critics by telling a parable, right? And a parable is simply a story that uses analogies and metaphors to represent people uh, and God. Right? That's what a parable is. And in this particular parable, in this particular story, Jesus compares himself to a shepherd. To a shepherd. Right? For people of that time, many managed livestock. And so this image of a shepherd would really resonate with them. Right? It provided a good mental picture of someone who took care of, of sheep. A fairly defenseless, and to be honest, a dumb animal. Right? And that's what this story is talking about, right? Jesus also in this parable, in this story, emphasized that the shepherd in this story was sacrificial, right? That the shepherd was sacrificial in his care for the sheep. He would lay down his life to keep the sheep safe, right? Including referring to himself, Jesus referring to himself as the gate to the sheep pen, Right? He talked about watching over what he allowed to go through the gate into a safe and probably a pretty cool pen. Right? It probably had hay and straw and cool things. Right? Right? And so that's what he's telling. Right? This was another way of Jesus illustrating his protective love. Right? It's a way of him uh, to illustrate his protective love and his protection for his sheep. And in turn us. And that's what the parable is talking about. Now, in the middle of this story, right, Jesus dropped this line, right? He mic dropped a moment here, right? Which has become a very famous verse. Let's take, take a look at it, right? So John chapter 10, right? Verse 10 in the New Testament there, all right? John chapter 10, verse 10 is this line that he tells at the end of this story. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Right, then he says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. A rich and satisfying life. And, and some of your translations, I think in the Bibles even that are in the seats, it says abundant life. Right? Right? Verse 10, or chapter 10, verse 10. Right? This verse, if we're honest, seems a little out of place in a story about sheep. Right? But here is the truth. 
right? A good shepherd, a good shepherd keeps his sheep alive. And not only that, not just alive, but he keeps them prospering, right? They they prosper under his care. Whether it means protecting his sheep from, from predators or turning them right side up when they fall upside down or leading them to, to water or to food, the shepherd was on a relentless pursuit, right? He was a relentless advocate of his sheep living a content and abundant, thriving life, right? Take, take a look at this, right? The goal of a good shepherd wasn't just to add more sheep or to make sure his sheep obeyed all the rules. His goal was for his sheep to thrive, right? His, his goal was for his sheep to thrive, right? To be healthy, to, to eat, to gain weight, to have, have pure wool, to have good wool, right? That was his goal, right? What Jesus was ultimately saying is that God wants us to live a content and abundant life to step into the mission that he has for us. He is a life-giving God. Our God is, right? The Lord that we forge our life on. A shepherd knew that the best thing for his sheep was for them to be taken care of, to be protected, to be, to be taught what to do, where to eat, where to, where to get water, be shown these things. And God knows that is the same thing that we need, right? Let me slow down here for a moment, and let's think about it like this, right? Because in the Old Testament, there's a king, uh, King David, right? And King David himself, he was once a shepherd. And he talked about the ways that God is committed to taking care of us and his sheep, right? right? Take a look in your Bibles. Turn over to Psalms 23, now, there's a little trick to find psalms in your Bible, right? It's usually right in the middle, right? So if you uh, close your Bible and you put your thumbs right in the middle and you open up, you're usually right there in psalms. I say that and I never get there right at the right page. <laughs> so I have my marker, right? But Psalms 23, right? We know this, right? We hear it a lot, right? Listen to these words. Follow along with me in your own Bibles as we read this, all right? It says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. This is King David writing. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He says, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me, he says. Your rod and your staff protect and they comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence, it says, of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. Right? My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever, it says, right? Psalms 23, right? In these six verses, the idea could not be more clear, right? Take a a look, right? God is committed to taking good care of us, right? Our Lord is committed to taking good care of us, his sheep, right? But, But here's the thing, Here's the cool thing, the fun thing, right? Unlike sheep, right, actual real sheep, we also have the ability to participate in this discipline 
of self-care. All right, we, we, we can participate in this discipline of self-care with our Lord. Right now, if you go looking in the Bible, I'm just being honest, if you go looking in the Bible for verses that use the term self-care, you will be hard-pressed to find any, right? It's not in there, right? If I'm honest, right, the verses are not there. Self-care is not a term that is used in the Bible, but that does not mean that God does not want us to take care of ourselves, right? Just last week, we looked at how Jesus himself modeled self-care to us, right? As he went up into the mountains to pray, he took some rest, right? Right? Just last week, we talked about that, right? In the book of 1 Kings, one of my favorite stories, Elijah is so exhausted. He's so overwhelmed. He's burnt out, right? He's, he's frustrated. He's angry, and he screams at God. He yells at God. He says, God, just kill me, right? I've heard about you smiting people before. Do it now, right? Kill me, right? Wipe me off the face of the earth. And this is what God says to him. All right, calm down, right? Go take a nap and then eat something. (laughs) That's what God tells him. He says, go take a nap and eat something. And so he did. And then he was able to forge on, right? He was able to move on. He was able to continue with the work that the Lord has put on his path, right? Sometimes self-care is really what we need to move on with our work for the Lord, for the mission and the purpose and the roles that he has for us to play. Now, another example of this is found in the book of Mark, right? Take a, take a look at this verse, Mark chapter 6, verse 31. It says this, Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. I didn't even have time to eat, all right? You don't have to worry about that with me, all right? But they didn't have time to eat. Jesus was advocating self-care by taking time to rest and making sure people ate, right? His disciples ate. They had energy, right? But in this case, self-care was an intentional choice, right? He had to make this choice. It was a discipline that our Lord himself forged in his life. And it's kind of shocking. It really is if we think about it, right? Jesus stopped to rest when he could have continued ministering, when he could have continued working, right? What about all the work that needed to be done? (laughs) What about the crowds who needed to know more about God their Father, right? We would ask ourselves the same questions we asked in the beginning of all of this. Isn't self-care selfish? Uh, what about putting others first? Uh, what about the important work that, uh, from God that we need to do? What about sacrificing for the sake of the greater good? Right? In the intentional act uh, of taking care of himself, Jesus, right, and encouraging his followers to do the same, Jesus teaches us a big, big idea. Look, self-care, <laughs> what we're talking about, isn't just for yourself. It isn't just for you, right? Self-care isn't just for yourself, right? Self-care isn't cheesy, even though we think of Mrs. Doubtfire, or at least I do, right? Self-care isn't hokey. It's not selfish, right? Philippians chapter 2 says this, do not do anything, like we said, on a selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, 
not looking to your own interest, but to each of you to the interest of others. Right? Paul could have said it this way. Don't practice self-care, right, from a a selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, do it for others uh, because they are more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, right? Right, listen, the quarterback on a football team, right, the quarterback doesn't go into the locker room and ice their shoulder, right, for themselves, Right? The, the quarterback doesn't pass the ball to themselves for the touchdown, right? The quarterback is icing his shoulder so he can throw the ball to the wide receiver or to the tight end or the running back so that the team can score a touchdown and win the game, right? Self-care gets us back in the game, right? Self-care gets us back into the fight so that we can fight alongside our brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. It gets us back into the mission, makes us more effective, more powerful, right? Self-care is about so much more than ourselves, right? Will you feel better if you take a nap and eat something? Probably, right? I'm all for it. That's what I do every Sunday afternoon, right? Take a nap and I eat something, right? Eat something, then take a nap, and then eat something again, right? You'll feel better, but not if you're just going to lay around and watch Netflix afterward, right? It's about so much more than that, right? It's about this, right? Take a look. Self-care is a willful participation in what the good shepherd already wants and has for us. It's not about just feeling good, right? It's about participating in what he has for us to do. We are his hands and his feet, right? God takes intentional care of us because we have work to do. Why would we in turn neglect ourselves, right? Now, let me, let me shift gears here for a moment, right? right? If you've been to church for a while, whether here or anywhere, right, you have probably heard the word steward, right, the word steward as it relates to money, right? God uh, wants us to handle the money that he's entrusted to us in a way that brings honor to him, right? That's stewardship. Now, in the same way, he has given us a life and a body. In fact, like we've said last week, we are a part of the body of Christ. Right? We are his body, his hands and his feet, and like we said, the nose hairs of God Almighty, right? We all have a part to play, right? Just like a, a good mechanic encourages us to take good care of our cars so that they can drive us up and down the road, get us from point A to point B. God is calling us to self-care when needed for taking good care of ourselves so that we can change the world. Don't let that overwhelm you because we're all in this together, right? But he's called us to change the world. He's calling us to be good stewards of what he's given us, this life and this body that he's gifted to us. But here's the question that we should always ask, right? How do we make this happen, right? And what does it look like, right? How do we make this happen and what does it look like, right? For real, right? There are a million different ways to practice self-care, Right, and you guys probably know them way better than I do. So I'm just going to throw out a long list of ideas at you. Right? But don't let it stress you out. Don't let it stress you out because at the end of the list, I'm going to give you some very practical ways to uh, make this super, super duper 
simple for you, right? Lemon squeezy, whatever that saying is, right? It's going to be super easy, right? So spiritual, spiritual, in the terms of spirituality, spiritual self-care can be this. Right? You can be stepping up to the table, right? That's what we say around here, stepping up with brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God, being there for one another, helping each other, right? Encouraging one another, right? Stepping up to the table, it could be regular prayer, Bible reading and meditation, right? Spiritually meaningful conversations while you're stepping up to the table, right? Time with a spiritual mentor. It can be serving others here at the church on our ministry teams or at our food pantry or just serving in your community in different roles that you may have, right? That's spiritual self-care. It can be many other things, right? Physical self-care, right? It could be this. It could be exercise. It could be proper sleep routines. It could be healthy eating and humor and hobbies. It's getting a ma- massage. It's, it's practicing relaxation techniques, or stuff we talked about last week. Just taking a moment to step back and realizing that it doesn't all depend on us. It depends on our Lord, the great I am, right? That's physical self-care, and it could be many other things. Emotional or relational self-care could be could be building a relationship that matters, connecting with friends. Uh, it could be going to counseling, right? Uh, we have a counseling office here. Uh, Safe Harbor Christian Counseling has an office here. They're all over Virginia um, and, and the East Coast, and they have an office here, and we have free sessions available to you, right? So it's counseling sessions with your family, for yourself, digging into things that you need to dig into. It's, it's creating activities and having adventures. It's enjoying movies, books, or music, right? We have a whole bookshelf out there of free books for you to take, uh, to, to use in your forging a lifelong reliance on God, right? To read and to study, right? That's, that's emotional or relational self-care. And you guys have probably more ideas than just that, right? It all comes down to recognizing Right? It all comes down to recognizing the places in your life where God is already giving you small gifts of abundance. That's what it comes down to. Right, listen, right? could it be that there are areas of your life, areas that you already uh, made room for things that could be life-changing, right? but you just don't see them as that. You just don't see them as life-changing. Right? And this is where it gets really simple. Right? Think about it. Maybe you are involved already here at the church, right? But you never viewed it as self-care, right? right? Maybe you already spent time with God, but you just see it as a, a box to check or, or something that's pr- uh, pressure in your life, right? And you don't view it as life-giving, right? Maybe you already do things to take care of your body, you're working out, you're eating healthy, but you never labeled them as self-care, life-giving, worship to our Lord. So think about it, right? Do you have relationships, close relationships, uh, that if you just maybe were a little bit more intentional about would help you in your faith, right? right? Do you have a hobby or do you read books? Like we said, we have a bunch of books out there, good ones for you, free, right? What if we, we looked at this whole thing like this? What if we saw some of the things that we already do as small gifts of God's abundance, right? Of of him kind of with his shepherd's staff kind of correcting us a little bit, right? Leading us to moments of of rest and self-care, right? What if we saw some of these things that we already do as small gifts from our Lord, right? For some of you, you, just to be honest, man, 
You need to discipline yourself to make space for things that take care of you instead of just doing what feels good in the moment, right? Just being honest, right? But for a lot of you, you're already making space for things that could be considered self-care. Right? You have just never connected them with the goodness of God, with his grace, with him asking you to rest in that, in that moment with him, or, or, or to experience rest in his care, right? You don't connect it as, like it said in Psalms 23, leading you by still waters, right? anointing you with oil, right? nourishing. That's what they, they put oil on the sheep's head to, to help the wool, right? Right? Like we like to do something with our lives, right? We like, to, we like to live our lives in separate boxes. And, and that's really the tension. The things that I like in this box, my work in this box, my spirituality in this box. But the reality of this is that God is in all of those boxes, whether we believe it or not. So just why not thank him for those things, Right? Right, here's a, here's a fun example. Some of you know uh, that, or some of you, and myself included, know that uh, I, I smoke a good cigar every once in a while, right? That's just it's what I do, right? And one of my favorite preachers of all time, Charles Spurgeon in Victorian London, once said this to a lady who was getting on him for smoking a cigar. He said this, he said, uh, I intend to smoke a cigar tonight to the glory of God today, right? <laughs> So that's the excuse I use for Christina. <laughs> I intend to smoke this cigar to the glory of God, right? right? Why not do that? It doesn't have to be a cigar, right? I'm not advocating for that. Right? Why not take time that you're already taking? Thank God for it. Uh, think about him. Like we said last week, just take a moment. Step back, right? Thank God for being the great I am and that the fact that you are not the great I am. Right? Take time to thank him for that. Talk to him through prayer. Meet with other like-minded people as a group at church. Meet at the altar. Worship him. Right? Take the time to worship God in those blessings, in those quiet times, in those moments alone. Right? Think about the things that, that are already feeding you spiritually, physically, or emotionally. Maybe it is your relationship with your spouse, your children, or a friend. You just need to be a little bit more intentional in it. Right, the, the next time you're about to spend time with them, say to yourself, this is going to be life-giving. Right? Or, or be a little bit more intentional at the, at the dinner table, at dinner time. Right? Don't just grab the food and, and everyone go their separate ways. Maybe just one night a week sit down at the actual table. Right? Make it life-giving for a moment. Right? And then express your appreciation to God, and no matter what it is, and just say, thank you, God. Thank you for being the good shepherd for this gift of abundance. That's what it is. That's it's really how simple it is. Right? So to, to summarize, take a look. Pick something you want to do or you already do. Label it as a life-giving gift from God. Do it and thank God for it when you do it. Right? And that is how we make self-care a spiritual act of worship. Right? That's how we make self-care an act of worshiping the great I am, the Lord of Lords. That's how we forge our life on God. All right, so as the, the band comes up, and, and I do want to thank them for not having Josh leading them. All right, it's hard when that guy's gone. 
He's doing his doctorate in guitar, so it's hard to <laughs> miss him or to do it without him. But thank you, guys. But as they're getting ready here, here's the cool part. Right? Something that uh, Christina actually shared with me and read to me as I was preparing for this week's message, an article that she found. She said this, or, or the article said this. It said, it can feel so Christian to take better care of ourselves. It says, it can feel so Christian to take better care of ourselves, to improve ourselves in all the same ways that the world coaches people to improve themselves. All right? Diet, exercise, sleep, even meditation, and probably prayer. But we cannot stop there. All right? It says, uh, this article said, see, self-care for the Christian, right, for people forging their life on God, means that the self being improved suddenly becomes a servant of others, right? a humble, intentional, joyful worker for others' joy in Jesus. Right? And so, so listen, Founder Church, right? once we learn how to regularly practice self-care, we become better suited to care for people. Right? We have more in our tank to serve others. We have a greater sense of joy, gratitude, and strength to be a blessing to the people in our lives. Right, to do this, to guide them to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To fulfill the mission that the Lord has for us. Right? Like a car that has been tuned up, we simply run better. Right? Making space for self-care is spiritual. Right? Take a look real quick. I called you guys up too soon. I'm sorry. Right? It's spiritual because it's a reflection of the good shepherd's care for us. Right? Self-care is spiritual because it's a commitment to follow Jesus' example. And it's also spiritual because it's this. It's a decision to be a good steward of the life and the body that God has already given us. So let's stand right now. Right? Let's stand as a church and worship our God who cares for us in such a powerful and mighty way. The Good Shepherd, our Shepherd. Let's worship Him.